great things for us. And I can tell you, just listening to the songs, there is a consistent theme here. And the consistent theme is Jesus. It's all about him. It's about no one else in this world. It's all about Jesus. And so as we pray this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. It's not a coffee. It's the book of the Bible. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. And God, I just pray, God, that it is none of me and all of you. God, would your spirit work through the hearts of your people? God, these are your people. And so, Father, I pray that this morning we would all leave here changed. Being more obedient to your, your, your word and being consistently hearing, God, what you have to say to us and not straying away from the truth, but embracing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to share with you before I get started this morning, uh, yesterday I had the great opportunity of going out with the Gideons yesterday. Uh, Some of the Gideons that are here in our church, and they go out and pass out Bibles, I was like, man, absolutely. And they said, matter of fact, Ken, you can pick the place. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. And so yesterday, they met me at the Hope Center, probably about 10 o'clock, and I pulled the bus up, and they all got on, and they all looked with wonder. (laughs) It was like, what have we just got ourselves into? And we prayed, and and we got going. We put a few things in the bus just to kind of, you know, make connections with people and different things like that. And so as we started riding down the street, I saw the first group of people. And I, you know, I don't wait. I, we see opportunity, we're going to jump right on there, you know. And so I see a group of men and women, they're sitting out to the side. And, and so I pull the bus up thinking, okay, this, I'm going to just take it kind of slow. We're going to ease them right on into it. We're going to witness to some people. We're going to give out some Bibles. Man, as soon as I put that bus in park, they jumped out. Boom. They was hugging on people, loving on people. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. Y'all calm down. Slow down. People coming down the street about to hit them. I said, hey, y'all slow down. But they were loving with the love of Christ. They were meeting people right at the need that they had for that particular day. And so we didn't just stop there. They said, Ken, is this the nicest place you got? I said, oh, no, I got more than this. Boom, I hit the gas. We went to a couple more places, and man, it was just great. I could just see them loving on people, giving out Bibles, sharing the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And I was like, man, this is fantastic. And I said, well, we're about done. Let's hit our final place. They said, well, we've been to this place before. I said, it's great. We ended up here. And so as we pulled up to the place, I saw someone sitting at a picnic table. It was a man. And he was sitting in Indian style, kind of, on the seat of the picnic table, and in front of him, there were a multitude of things, some books, some, some nail polish, some different things. I could tell at the moment this wasn't my ordinary conversation. And as I got ready to sit down, I called one of the brothers over, and I said, come on over here and sit with me. And so as I sat down, immediately, I knew that this was a spiritual battle. I knew it. You see, you talk about speaking the name of Jesus, and we sing it in here on Sunday, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
There was nothing greater that I could say in that moment but the name of Jesus. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, because it was literally uh, demonic warfare. Just, I'm sitting at the table and it's just, boom, just coming at me, just boom. And you talk about the armor of God. I was grateful that I was armored up. And it seemed like the more he rattled, like, obscenities and just blatant, I mean, just things just boom. And the person sitting next to me was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. But it was almost like God just had a shield just right here. When you talk about the armor of God, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, be armored up before you leave in the morning, before you go somewhere, because the armor of God is what keeps you. It's what keeps you. And so as he continued, as he started walking through certain things, I started opening up my Bible. And I was like, well, this is what Jesus says. This is how Jesus feels. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus says. And every time I jumped to the name Jesus, he tried to divert the conversation. It was all about Jesus. And when I left there, I was, I was kind of happy because it wasn't me. I knew who it was. It was Jesus fighting the battle for me. It was almost like a spiritual battle happening. But as I was driving down the street, the Lord reminded me of a particular scripture. And that scripture was Luke chapter 10, verse 20. And this is what that verse says. It says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. He says, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. This is what Jesus told the disciples. I said, so God, what does this mean for me today? He says, Ken, that could have been you. So God, what, what do you mean by that? That could have been me. He says, that could have been you. Because listen, there were times when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you strayed away. You denied the faith. You treated the faith like it was just something that was just cast or just something that I could just do on Sunday. But he says, that's not it. That could have been you. He says, so now you rejoice because now you have accepted Christ and you're on the other side of this and now you see. So my rejoicing quickly went to pray. Lord, can you show this young man your word? God, can you allow him to hear the truth of the word and the scales drop off of his eyes? Every member of the team yesterday, they said, you know what? Scales on his eyes, scales. And we started praying for him, started loving, you know, just started thinking, just saying, Lord, would you please do an incredible work in his life? And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we got to be praying. Because we are living in a generation that is quickly, everyone is denouncing, turning away from the faith, and coming to church is like a nicety rather than hearing the word of God and being obedient to the word. We choose the things that are convenient. And so in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking to a bunch of Christians, a group of Christians, or believers, people who have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and he's telling them, listen, don't turn back to these elementary ways or don't turn back from following Christ. Christ is superior over everything that you know. 
As a matter of fact, Christ, everything in the Old Testament points to who Christ is. If you look at the book of Hebrews, there are a number of times that he continually says this. As a matter of fact, he says, Christ is superior over the angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says this, having become a much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I've begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. So Christ is superior over the angels. He says, don't get caught up in the things that angels can do. Be caught up in Christ because they point to him. He says not only that, he says Christ is superior to Moses. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in his house, for he has been counted worthy more, of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has much more honor than the house. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. As a matter of fact, he continues to say that Jesus is, is greater or more superior than the high priest. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, it says this, So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. God had called Jesus as now the high priest for humanity. Not only that, he says Jesus is superior over the, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it says, But now he, speaking about Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been intacted for better promises. And lastly, he says Jesus is superior over the old sacrificial system. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 9 through 14, it says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleansing your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And you may be saying, Ken, that was a lot of good history, kind of walking through the first chapter to right around the ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews. How does that apply to me? Well, I will tell you this. In our own lives, maybe you're not worshiping angels, but you need to know that Jesus Christ is superior over your old lifestyle. Why do you say that? It's because sometimes when things don't go our way as Christians, we'll look back at our old lifestyle and say, it was better back in Egypt. We'll say, it was better when I didn't have anybody. It was better when I didn't have a family. It was better when I didn't have responsibilities. It was better then. I lived a much more free lifestyle when I didn't have to worry about going to church or doing things like that. Can I share with you what the Bible says about that? In Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23, Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 23, let me tell you what this says. It says, 
For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You ain't have nobody to report to. Therefore, it says this, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things that you are now ashamed of? He says, for the outcome of those things, the things that you used to do, which would cause death, but now you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God. You derive for your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In the words of today, the old life that you were living, you just think about all the times you were slumped over the toilet, thinking about different things, trying to get out these broken relationships, and you were like, man, okay, God says, hey, think back to those things. Think back to those ways. Don't think about, don't try to think about the freedom you had to sin. Well, maybe you're not worshiping an earthly priest, but you need to know that Jesus and his teachings are superior to your personal feelings. Why would you say Jesus is superior to my personal feelings? Feelings are real, and he did give them to us. But sometimes our feelings will trump the word of God. Well, pastor, this is just how I feel about the matter. And it's not about how we feel. It's about what God's word says. Or maybe you're not worshiping the old covenant, but you need to know that Jesus is superior to our past traditions. We've always done it this way. I can't change. Mama done it that way. Grandma done it that way. Me, my, we always just done it that way. And it sounds good, but it does not line up with God's word. Maybe you're not worshiping the sacrificial system, but you need to know that Jesus is superior to our present relationships. What do you mean by that? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus says this, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Have you put any relationships above the place of Jesus in your life? Is Jesus superior, superior in your life over all things? You see, if he's not, you're in danger of falling into the same things the people in the book of Hebrews fell into. And since Jesus is superior and since we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, Hebrews tells us now to stand firm in the things that you have learned. And this is what I love. So if you're in your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, this is what it reads. He says this, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, listen to what he says, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling of ourselves together, 
as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the first thing we're going to look at in that particular passage of Scripture are the first three verses. Because inside those first three verses, he says, therefore, which means I need to look back at why we are here. Why are we here? And he, the, the writer of Hebrews is comparing this old way of life, this old covenant, to now where we are in Christ, this new life in Christ. How should this look? Well, first of all, in Hebrews 19, he says this. He says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Listen to this. In the old system or in the Bible, when you look back in the old times, the priests were the only ones who could enter the holy of holies. Once a year could they only enter the holy of holies. And this, in this holy of holies was the very presence of God and only one person could enter as a matter of fact, they would put a rope around the priest's waist when he went in there. And so if he wasn't pure, he died immediately on the spot. Could you imagine that? When you go in the pastor's office, we say, hold on just a second. Let me tie this rope around your waist. Hold on. All right. Go ahead and go on in there. <laughs> but in order to get to the Holy of Holies, this priest, he had to take two offerings. He took an offering for himself had he sinned and not knew it. And he had to take an offering for the people. And so as he went into this place, he was the only one allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. But listen to this. This is the greatest news ever. Since Jesus has died for our sins... We now have the opportunity to go into the presence of God. We don't need anyone to go in there for us. We don't need a sacrifice. The sacrifice has already been made through Jesus Christ. We are now allowed to go into the very presence of God, the creator of all humanity. And when we go in, we can be changed. We can be healed. We can be delivered because the pathway has always already been made. He talks about in this particular scripture, he says that our conscience has been sprinkled. In the Old Testament system, what would happen is when the priest went in, they would have to sprinkle the sacrifices with blood to make it pure. And since you have accepted Jesus, you are now pure enough to go into the presence of God. I don't think we even understand what that means yet. I, 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 honestly, I don't understand what that means yet. Could you imagine What's going to happen when we get to heaven? And we are, we, are, we are at the feet of Jesus and we're watching all this transpire. And, you know, people are talking about their crowns and I'm going to have a crown on my head and I'm going to, have, I'm going to give you more crowns in your cap. Listen, the Bible talks about at the feet of Jesus, they're casting their crowns. This isn't even enough with what you've done for me. 
They're casting their crowns before his feet. And now, as a child of God, who has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now have access into the very presence of God. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about in his presence there is joy. In his presence there is joy. And so as we continue to talk about this, not only uh, are we talking about this, this invitation that we have been given, but we've also been given access to eternal redemption. Access to eternal redemption. You no longer have to pay the price for sin and to live outside the, the eternity that God has provided for those who believe. You now have access to eternal redemption. You know, as, as I get a little bit older, I know the older people in this room are kind of like snickering, like, well, are you still, man, please. <laughs> I'm starting to think more about eternity. Not being morbid or anything like that, I'm just starting to think more about eternity, how it's going to look, how it's going to be, how I'm going to finally get some rest. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I started thinking about there'll be no more crying, no more weeping, no more sorrow. There'll be none of those things anymore in the presence of God. And the things, I just, my mind, my, my physical mind just cannot wrap itself around what it's going to be like in heaven. I just know it's going to be the happiest I've ever been. Amen. The most joyful that I've ever been because now through Jesus I have been given access to eternal redemption. The next thing, the next thing. Not only do I have an invitation, I have access, but I also have an advocate. And that advocate is Jesus Christ. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father on my behalf while I'm here on earth. And you may be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Ken, how does that look? Well, when Jesus arose and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, he makes intercession for me. The things that I don't even know I need, he already knows, and he's sitting next to the Father being my advocate. Isn't that good news, church? Because sometimes we don't even know what to ask for, but Jesus already knows. So he talks about these things. We've been given access. We've been given an invitation. We've been given access, and then also we have an advocate. But then now, point number one. Point number one, he starts to tell us now as we're living on this earth, he says, this is now what you need to do as you're awaiting this great ceremony or you're awaiting this promise to see the king. He says, now, this is what you need to be doing as a believer as you're awaiting. The first thing he says, he says, let us draw near which means to approach. I'm accepting this invitation with a confident trust in what God has promised. Oh, I love this. He said, let us draw near. So this means in everything that I'm doing, in my every being, 
I'm pressing forward every day to make sure I'm in the presence of God and I am armored up through his word. When I talk about getting closer to him, when I get closer to Jesus, I know more about him. And and not only that, the sins that used to, to hold me back are now dropping off because I'm getting closer. The Bible says, draw near to him. And in Psalm 73, the psalmist talks about the nearness of God was my good. And the mental picture I get in my mind is this pulpit right here. And man, I just want to be as close as I can get to God. Everything that I have, every fiber of my being, I am wrapping myself in what God has said through his word and through prayer. The nearness of God draw near to his presence. I've got to tell you, I think when I first got saved, you know, I just thought it was a, just something that we did on Sunday. I thought it was just, you know, uh, a way of being good or practicing good putting more feathers in my cap, checking the block, going to church. But what I didn't know, I was learning more about God and about why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And as I began to know more about him and start to seek him in prayer, the closer I got. Some of you are asking, well, Pastor Ken, how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, when you start spending time in God's word and he starts talking to you and you start talking to him and, he, and you just start going closer or drawing closer to him in an intimate relationship. It's not about how much you're doing. It's about drawing near to him. As close as you can get. No problem is too big. No problem is too small. God says, listen, draw near to me. As a matter of fact, in James, it talks about if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'm not going to leave you lonely. Drawing near to God. The closer I get to him, the more I know about him, the more I'm transformed into the image of his son. And watch this. The closer I get to him, the looser the things that I grab onto in this world become. The things that I used to call valuable no longer matter. Because the closer I get, I get to see him as he is in all his glory and all his majesty. And I start seeing what he has promised for those who believe. And it is foolish of me to start holding on to the things that I have back here. I'm thinking like, this stuff don't even matter. This this doesn't even matter. You start thinking about success and what success is. And man, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have this education. I'm going to have this house. And and I'm going to do this on vacation. And man, all those things are great. But man, if you are holding those things more than you are holding on to Jesus, you got a big problem. When I'm drawing near, it'll cause me to let those things go. God, I'm looking at you. And God, now my heart is all I want for you. My heart is all I want. You, you are all I want. 
You are all that I want. Through your son Jesus, you paid the price for my sins. And God, you are all I want. Nothing else matters. The next thing. He says this, let us draw near. But then he also says, let us hold fast. Let us draw near and let us hold fast. This hold fast is the concept of continuously communicating our commitment to Jesus and publicly acknowledging our relationship with him. Not following or chasing after every new concept, every conference, but it's following Jesus wholeheartedly. There are some religions and some some things or some ideas that say you'll have a better life if you do this. You'll have a better life if you follow this. You'll have a better life if this happens. But Jesus is superior over all those things. He says, hold fast to the things that you have committed. Hold fast to the confession that you have made in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in that verse 23, it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Everything that Jesus said will happen, period. It will. And then the last thing. And this is the thing that really, really grabbed my heart. I mean, I loved reading the whole chapter. Uh, loved reading, you know, the entire book of Hebrews and just trying to get this sense of the, what the writer was saying. But in the first two things he talks about, he says, draw near, right? He tells us first to draw near, but not only to draw near, he says, hold fast. Those are all personal things that I must do for myself. But the last one, he doesn't say that. Look at the last verse. He says this. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love this. He says, it's good for you to stand firm in the things that you've learned and heard. It's good. And I want you to continue to do those. He says, but I'm also concerned about your brothers and sisters. He says, I'm concerned about them too. So what I need you to do is I need you to, to encourage them as you see the day approaching. And, and when I think about that, I take on a less selfish attitude, and I am now encouraging my brothers and sisters and I, as I'm walking through this assembly of the saints. I'm encouraging them as I'm meeting them in connect group. I'm encouraging them as I go serve with them. I'm encouraging them not to give up because the day is quickly coming and to not lose heart. Why is that important? It's because sometimes, you know, we come in here Sunday morning, and man, this is good. I raise my hand. I speak Jesus. Yes. And I leave out of here. I'm not communicating with anybody. I'm not connecting with anybody. But God calls us to do that because there will be a time in your life where you're going to need other believers. He's saying, Get connected to the body because there will be hard times. And I am calling 
the rest of you to minister to your brothers and sisters as they are going through. Encourage them. As you see the day approaching, encourage your brothers and sisters to stay in the fight. Don't give up. Because there's a great reward awaiting all of us. So when we talk about standing firm, and we talk about, you know, uh, continuing to keep the, the testimony that God has given us through Jesus Christ, I'm going to sum it up. Because today we're living in such a time where we're being pulled in multiple directions by many unsound areas of doctrine, things that are not of God, and it is easy to shift and move, specifically our college folks. You're being put in areas where people are telling you that can't be true, that is not true, and you have to stand on the faith that you believe in. You have to stand firm in the commitment that you have made to Christ. And more importantly, the, promise that he, the promises that he's made to you. When I met that young man yesterday, I just started weeping. Because at some point in his life, he thought that Christ wasn't good enough. And that Christ wasn't superior. And so he left that place of safety and started looking in the world for different solutions. My brothers and sisters, there is no other solution. There's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer here today, today I want to encourage you to stay and stand firm in God's word. Stand firm in God's word. Continue praying. Continue reading, having a quiet time. Continue drawing near to God, intentionally getting into the presence of God and not holding back or straying away. But today, if you are not a believer, I want to tell you that today is your day. You see, without the anchor of Christ, you're, you are... You can be pulled in any direction to believe anything. I've heard somebody say, and this is not in the Bible, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. People can tell you anything, and you will fall for it because you're not standing on the truth of God's word. And today, you've got that opportunity to say, God, I need you. Every place that I'm standing is on shaky ground, and I'm running from one place to the other. I'm running from one thing to the other, and I'm trying to find peace here. I'm trying to find joy here, and every time I get there and I, I, I feel a little bit of it, something breaks and it shifts and it changes, and so I'm not getting all the peace that I need. But I'll tell you, there's, there's complete peace in Jesus Christ. Complete peace. But you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray for the encouragement of the saints that you will continue to stand firm in the faith. But for those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, here's your moment. Man, here's your moment. 
If you don't believe in Christ and you say, hey, I need to have a relationship, Pastor Ken, there will be a number or a text that will pop up on the screen during the invitation, and you can definitely write down that number and text that number. But if you're here in the room and say, you know what, I don't even want to text it. I want to come down right now, today. Now is my time. We'll be waiting for you. And so at this moment, some of our pastors and their wives will be standing at the ends of the aisles. And we're going to pray. And if the Lord is calling you into an intimate relationship with him today, please feel free to come. If today you are saying, you know what, Pastor Ken, I have slipped away. Today is my first day back. But I've slipped away and I need to, I need to reaffirm my commitment to Christ. We would love to talk with you, love to pray for you. But I'm telling you, if you're not standing on the firm rock, which is Christ, you're destined to fall. Father, I thank you so much for every man and woman in this room. God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you because, God, there are great and precious promises that await us. And even now, as we're here on this earth, God, we can enjoy the very presence of God. And so, Father, I pray that if there is a man or a woman in this room, I pray that today will be their day and they will give their lives to Jesus. They will say to themselves, I've tried everything and nothing seemed to work. Father, I pray that they will find the firm foundation in Christ. And Father, I also pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we won't be swayed by different doctrines, but Lord, we'll be completely in love with you and in love with your word. If there are brothers or sisters here who need to reaffirm that commitment, let them come. Father, we thank you for all you're doing in this church and in the life of this church. But Father, help us to remember it's about Jesus. He is superior to all things, all people, always. Jesus is number one. So, Lord, we thank you so much. Would you continue to be with us today? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.